Good morning, everybody. Happy Valentine's weekend. It's a good food weekend. Lower percentage of tofu is eaten on Valentine's weekend. Higher fat content. Good stuff. Now, living the dream. How's your life? It's awesome. You know, to say I'm living the dream means my, my life's awesome. It's amazing. And that's what God wants. Tim talked about in his communion to give us life to the full. And one of my favorite sentences from our reading was, God didn't make any extra people. You know, it's great to have the birds with us, uh, Tom and Linda, family. You know, there may have been a time where they thought we had an extra, or two or three or seven. God didn't make any extra people. You know, there's roughly 7 billion people on the planet right now. Sometimes we can feel that it should have just been 6 billion, 999 million, 999,999, because your life was just extra. Just It doesn't matter that much. And yet it does to God. And this sermon about living the dream is not just any dream. The fact is, it's not even about living your dream. Because God didn't create you to live out a cheesy dream. You see, to live the dream is living God's dream. And that's a whole lot better than any dream that you or I could ever come up with. That's what we're talking about. You know, Valentine's is a great time. You write cards. You express important things and feelings, people that matter most to you. I was encouraging my oldest son, his girlfriend. They came home from Santa Barbara, and Lindsay showed the homemade card that Michael made. Oh, yeah. She posted a picture of it online. There was like glitter and all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, put it this way. I saw it. I was impressed. I was like, Michael. And he goes, I I said, that took you a while. And he goes, yeah. But, you know, you're just encouraging one another. But I want to read you a a Valentine's card that God has for you. Go over to Psalm 139. We're going to read it a little differently than it was written. You see, because this is a psalm written by David. But we're going to read this from God's perspective. 
Psalm 139. And what God writes to you is, I searched you. I know you. I know when you sit. I know when you rise. I perceive your thoughts from afar. I discern your going out and your lying down. I am familiar with all your ways. Before you speak one word, I know it completely. Verse 13. For I created your inmost being. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I'm so proud of what I accomplished because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, I'm sure of that. Your frame was not hidden from me when you were made in the secret place. When you were woven together in the depths of the earth, I saw your unformed body. Before one day began, I saw your entire life before me. That's a love letter. That's a Valentine's Day card from God to you. It's how he feels. He didn't make any extra people. He made you. And he's pretty proud of what he accomplished. Every day we get up, we go on about our life, we go to bed at night, We think thoughts, we speak words, and God is up there going, wow, you're awesome. You see, God created you with the dream in mind. The question I have for you is, are you living God's dream? Because to settle for anything less than that, to shortchange your life. Certainly not what God wants. I mean, as parents, we have, you know, grand goals and visions. We want to help our kids. We want them to go beyond what we could do. When you love somebody, you want what's best. And God said, oh yeah, I put that dream into you before day number one began. You weren't an oversight. There were no flaws. You were made exactly the way I wanted you to be. you were fearfully and wonderfully made by God. How do you feel about what he wrote to you? Can you accept it? Do you believe it? Do you live like it? Because it's true. It's not just for some people. God wrote this for your heart, for your soul, 
and free your mind. You know what stops us from believing these words? One, one simple thing. It's pride. Pride is arrogance, and arrogance is say, I don't need God, I'm awesome without Him. Whether God created me or not, it doesn't really matter because I am so spectacular. I don't need His plan to achieve greatness. Yeah, sometimes we think that way. Oh, we're not going to say it that way. Because we know that wouldn't be right. But it goes like this. Oh, if I'm not living the dream, I need to work harder. I need to do more. Need to try harder, give better effort. Need to learn more. Have more wisdom. And if I can just work hard enough, then I will achieve the dream by my own effort. You know, when God hardwires a dream into us, we don't have to achieve his dream on human effort. And when we try and take matters into our own hands to push our agenda, we never successfully fulfill his dream. And pride will do that. The arrogance of self-reliance. But you know the flip side of arrogance is insecurity. It's just as prideful as being arrogant. But it looks like the exact opposite. What's insecurity? I'm no good. In fact, people have told me that my whole life. I've been wounded by it. It's been hard. I feel that I'm not smart enough. I feel that I'm not wealthy enough. I feel that I don't have enough um, experience or wisdom or skills in this area. But you see, God says that's not true. And insecurity is pride because we believe our feelings more than God's truth. It's the same sin. And it's just as damaging, even though it's on the other end of the spectrum. Isaiah chapter 55. Turn over there and uh, let God's word speak to our hearts. In verse 8, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, God just kind of spells it out, doesn't he? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, you know, thank you for your opinions. Now, my thoughts are not your thoughts. You know, it just kind of settles it right there. And really, that's about as plain as it could be. You say, but why is it so hard to live that way then? I mean, is the truth of God's word the hard part? I mean, you hear this 
love letter from God. You're amazing. You're awesome. We go, okay, I see that. God made me. God has a vision for me. So why is it so hard on Monday to live that way? It's because we put way too much stock in our thoughts. And not enough on God's thoughts. You know, the writer of the book, um, Tommy Newberry, shared a story about, you know, as Christmas got bigger and bigger and bigger as a family, and at one point I think they had like 22 people opening presents, and how at the end of it, they were looking for one of the gifts, and nobody knew where it was, and it had gotten thrown away. They had to sift through the trash. I, I remember a story like that in our family. We were up at Mammoth on vacation. And we were having uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. And we got done with Kentucky Fried Chicken, and then we went fishing in a lake, and it was great. And then all of a sudden, one of my sons said, Dad, do you have my retainer? And I'm sure I calmly and patiently said something, Why, son? Why would I have your retainer? Isn't it in your mouth? (laughs) Turns out, you know, you take your retainer out at the restaurant, you put it on the tray, and so it got thrown away. So we went back, said, um... Our son had his retainer on the tray. We threw it away in that trash bin. Have you emptied the trash since lunch? And they said, yeah, as a matter of fact, we just emptied all the bins. So we said, do you have any plastic gloves? We climbed in the dumpster bin, and we fished through all the trash. So here, here was our sign, is we knew that the ear of corn that Cheryl had, there was a stick about that long, and it had a little broken end off. Because, you know, I don't know if you figured this out, but all trash at KFC kind of looks the same. <laughs> so we got out all the trash, and we tore it apart, And we hunted. And I don't know how long we hunted, but uh, it was actually funny because at one point we're digging through the trash and a guy comes up and said, here's a couple cans you can have. (laughs) We're like, hey, thanks. We're not looking for cans, but appreciate the kind gesture right there. And eventually we found the corn cob with the broken stick and we knew we were in the right bag. Another 10, 15 minutes of hunting, we found the retainer. I wanted to just make him put it in his mouth right then and there, but (laughs) we disinfected it first. You know, that's parent, you just kind of spit on it and wipe it, and then it's clean. (laughs) 
Oh, sorry. If you only have one child, I know you think that's gross. You have a few more. You'll be like, oh, yeah, that's how you clean everything. has tremendous power. You just shine it really good and it's ready to go. Yeah, first child, you boil all the, the bottles. Second child, you just rinse them out here. But we dug through the trash because we'd thrown something important away. Now, you're sitting here today living your life either according to God's dream or some other plan. You know, and there's a moment in time where you go, wow, okay. We need to go back and do the dirty work and sift through the trash to get the retainer. Why? Because we didn't want to pay. This wasn't just any retainer. It had all kinds of bells and whistles to expand the mouth and this, that, and the other. So it would have been like 750 bucks to replace. So we were working hard to find it. Your life is worth way more than 750 bucks. But you know, in some cases, you've thrown out God's dream a long time ago. You're so wrong. My life seems to be going fine right now. I mean, you know, it's good enough. God didn't create you for good enough. Like when God looks at your life, he's like, well, that is just the, the biggest ball of mediocrity I ever did see. Well, hope they can just eke through life, not drool on themselves. God does not look at any of us that way. He's got a dream. He's got an amazing plan. But how do you think God feels if we've traded in the dream that he created you with for something else? So what's the first step? Acknowledge his way. Acknowledge his thoughts. And say, all right, God, your thoughts, your ways. That's my goal. Because that's that's the only way that we're going to get to his dream. Go over to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at some of the characteristics of God's dream. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know what characteristic of God's dream is? An amazing purpose. An amazing purpose. If you're not living with an amazing purpose in your life, you're definitely not experiencing God's dream. You are not living the dream. If you haven't yet answered the question, why are you here? Why do you exist? What is it about you that God has created you for to accomplish? 
If you don't know the answer to that question, you're not experiencing God's dream. Yeah, I had an exciting milestone in my life happened two weeks ago. 25 years in the full-time ministry. As of February 1st, 25 years. Yeah, and you hit those... You know, those moments in time where you think, okay, I've been, been preaching the gospel for 25 years. And you start thinking, what would my life been like if I didn't go down that path? And I started thinking about all the friends that Cheryl and I have had. All the different experiences in life that we've had. The marriages, the families, the lives that we've been able to, to help and bond with in Canada, in Southern California, and people that are now dispersed all over the world. Got friends in Russia. Say, you know, I mean, it's amazing what God has accomplished. I look at my life and go, man, I wouldn't want to trade it in for anything. You know, last Sunday I was a little bit bummed out. I didn't win the $400 million. And this Sunday, a little bummed out. I didn't win $500 million either. But I have an amazing life. That's because I got on God's dream. Can you say you found it? Are you there? Are you linked in? It says, we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That means he has a purpose for you. He didn't make any extra people. There's a purpose that only you were created to accomplish. Are you accomplishing it? God's purpose is not to be a, you know, a pew sitter at church, even though we don't have pews. Just come attend, put in your time, and leave. That is not a purpose. That's space filler. That's really awesome that you're here. But it's got to be more than attendance. It's got to be a purpose. It's got to be a life. It's got to be a vision. Why? Because you're fearfully and wonderfully made created in Christ Jesus to do good works every single one of us is part of the plan to do something awesome you know what else is part of God's vision in chapter 4 he says this in verse 22 You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I say God's dream for your life is a righteous and holy life. And so what does that mean? That if your life is full of sin, you are not living the dream. 
that there is a moral component to God's dream for your life. And it involves truth and holiness and righteousness. And that there's no way possible that we can just live a life of secret sin or habitual sin and think that we're going to live the dream. Not going to happen. It says God created you and a new self to be righteous and holy. So what do we got to do? Well, go over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James just kind of lays it out. James is a good book. You know, he doesn't mince words. He doesn't fuzzy it up. He just kind of makes it clear. He says this, chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. You know, James just kind of lays it out, doesn't he? He just says, okay, um, all the moral filth that's going on, you're blocking the dream. So here's what you need to do. Just like get rid of that. He does not say change 1% a day for the next 100 days. He says just get rid of it. And the evil that's so prevalent. And humbly accept the word planted in you that can save you. Want to live the dream? We got to get rid of the gunk that's on the inside. You know, one of the scariest things about getting rid of the gunk is acknowledging the gunk. I remember studying the Bible when I was making a decision to become a Christian. I remember looking at the people that were helping me, and I actually thought, these people cannot relate to me because I don't think any of them have ever sinned. And if I tell them my sins... Their jaws are going to drop. They're going to be like, um, we don't know what to do with your kind. Let us get back to you. And so I was afraid of being honest because I thought if I just say here's what's really going on, they're going to run the other way. And go, well, maybe he'll end up with somebody else, and then they'll get stuck having to help him. <coughs> and you know what I found when I got the courage to say, all right, here's what's really going on in my life? I said, well, let, let me tell you about how my life used to be. Let me share stories about how I used to live before God changed me. And I just found myself going, wait. So you can relate, and, and so can you. And they kind of lovingly smiled and just said, Ron, everybody's got their issues. 
We all got them. We're just trying to help each other get to heaven. But we, we live in a society where almost every embarrassing thing you do could be on Twitter or Facebook or TV. Um, and so we get afraid. Ask how our marriage is, we don't want to say. Because what will they think? You know, the fact is, if we're going to live God's dream, we got to get rid of the gunk. Because the moral filth will block the vision. It says, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Humility is the key. Just say it like it is. Just say, hey, here's what it is. And then he continues, and in verse 22, he says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Say, now why would he say that? I mean, why would James need to say this if we're talking about living God's dream? He created an amazing person in you. He's got a wonderful plan for you. He's got an incredible dream But moral filth will block it. Why would anyone hear that and then not change? (coughs) Go, wow. Who would ever do such a thing? You and I. That's why James put it in there. (coughs) It's so easy to listen. And think that because we heard, our life's going to be different. It's not the listening. It's the doing. It says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. There's not a person that reads that and thinks, oh, that guy was dumb. Wait, he went and he looked at himself in the mirror and then left and didn't do anything about it? That didn't make any sense. I mean, why look in the first place? Yeah, I will take some water. That'd be awesome. I'm just hacking up a storm, putting all kind of germs on here for the uh, closing song. says in verse 25, but the man that looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. James just lays it out. James is like, I want you to live the dream. God's got an amazing one. Okay, so get rid of the moral filth. Just be humble. God's word will tell you what you need to do. Say, open up your heart and your life to the Bible. Study it with somebody. 
Tell them what's going on. And let the Word of God just, just transform you. I mean, you wouldn't want to just come to church and then not do anything afterwards. Be just like the man in the mirror. It says, do what it says. It says, continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard. You know, it takes work and effort to remember. And the older I get, the more work and the more effort it takes to remember. When I was a kid, my parents said, we're going to get ice cream on July the 3rd. I would remember months later, July 3rd. And every parent knows if, if you promise a kid you're going to give him candy or ice cream, it doesn't matter how many weeks or months you've made that promise. They'll remember. But we grow older and the Bible lays out truths. And without work, without effort, without intention, sometimes a day later, we don't remember. We have to intend to remember. It says he will be blessed in what he does. We're not trying to live our dream. We want the best dream, and that's God's dream. God is doing everything in his power to communicate to you how special and treasured you are to him. And Satan is doing everything in his power for you to feel unloved, unappreciated, no vision. Say, who's going to win the day? Say, the choice is yours. In some cases, we need to go back. Just get the plastic gloves on and go back and sift through the trash. Resurrect God's dream. Yeah, there may be a lot of half-eaten food in there. A lot of mistakes. A lot of moral filth. It's all right. Get what's valuable back out again and get on track. God didn't make any extra people. God has an incredible dream for you. Let's live the dream marked out. Amen. Let's stand as we close in a final song.